What do you think of when you're surrounded by silence? It's a genuine question. And I'm, I know I, I know I'm not going to hear an answer from you, whoever you may be, but I'm just, still I'm just going to ask the question. Maybe you can answer it for yourself. As for what my answer would be, let's just say this. My mind goes all over the place once there is nothing in my vicinity to distract me. That is, can be both good and bad. In a way, it is good. You know, most of my ideas for short stories or um, books or whatever this podcast is, <laughs> all of that mostly uh, originates from my head during moments where I'm all alone in a silent room. But being surrounded by silence also brings some bad stuff. And I think a lot of people know exactly what I'm talking about. You see, this, this whole podcast was made by me so I could air my thoughts without much of a filter. And of course, there are some episodes in here that are fiction pieces. And you'll know it's a fictional piece once you hear it, because those episodes have a bit more of a structure than this. But You know, it feels good to to just speak without any uh, without any guidelines, without any idea of where this is going. As I've stated a few times before, sometimes I just need to turn on the microphone and see what'll happen, which is what I'm doing right now. Now, of course, I run the risk of repeating myself or uh, starting sentences that I won't finish or just in general not making much sense. But um, since I've been told by some people I know that they like hearing me speak, I'm just going to go on ahead and continue. You know, when I sit in silence and I'm not coming up with any cool ideas for my podcasts or my books or my short stories, I often uh, reminisce about my past. And what I've noticed is that those 
memories from my past feel surreal. And the older I get and the farther away I'm removed from those memories, the less real those memories feel. Take my entire time during middle school, for example. I know it happened. I got the diploma to prove it. Hell, I got friends from that period to prove that it all happened. But when I think back about those middle school days, there's this, vo this voice inside my head that isn't completely sure whether all of that was even real. I don't know how to hmm i don't I don't really know how to how to clarify this, how to explain it better. Uh. All right, let me say it like this. Um, so my middle school experience, it, it wasn't the greatest. Like there, there, were, there were some good times, of course. I mean, there, are, there will always will be good times, but let's just say that some of the things that happened in middle school, uh, they shaped me for the worse rather than the better. But I mean, I'm okay now as far as I'm concerned. I mean, not okay enough, I can always be better, but I'm functioning. That counts for something, right? But So here's this thing, a very clear example uh, of a memory from middle school, which, I, which I'm not sure is real or not. So when I was in the first year of middle school, uh, I tried to be popular. And not in the sense that I could get in with the cool kids because I mean, the cool kids back then weren't all that appealing to me, but I wanted to be liked by everybody, which in hindsight is impossible, of course. But back then I thought, if I could be friends with everybody, then I'll have a good life. So I did a few things that I shouldn't have done in hindsight. One of those things, um, okay, so it, 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 it occurred uh, on school grounds, but it, uh, the, it originated during one of the evenings I spent uh, during school camp. So, okay, 
I'm just going to tell a story. So, in the first year, my first year of middle school, uh, uh, my entire class went on a school trip. Uh, we went to one of the islands of the Netherlands called Tessel. So we went there, we stayed there a few nights, and of course it was used for all of us to get to know each other better, which we did. But um, me trying to be quote-unquote likable, <laughs> I started being the goofball. And as a goofball does, uh, I did goofball things. One of which was come up with a quote-unquote rap. A rap song, I know. Past me was, was cringy. Very cringy. Maybe I'm even cringy now, but let's not focus on that. Let's focus on past me. So... Here I was this one evening and I remember being alone uh, in the room that I shared with uh, some of my classmates. But at that moment I was alone in there and I don't know where the inspiration came from. But I came up with this very short rap song about a bear who has sexual intercourse with a deer as a kid I made a rap song about a bear having sex with a deer now this is already bad but it gets worse because I performed this rap I think in front of few of my friends or soon to be friends. Uh, now, I don't remember whether um, I also performed it in front of my entire class or not, but somehow um, people started to learn of what I have done. And when we were back on school grounds, um, let's say if maybe a few weeks later. Um, we had this thing where uh, we were in the auditorium, the entire, uh, all, the, all the first year classes, because there were more than one. We were gathered in the auditorium and um, we were doing something with a stage. Now, what exactly we did, I'm not sure. Uh, oh, wait, I think it was for our version of, of Santa Claus, which Santa Claus is actually older than Santa Claus, but that's, that's a whole other thing that I'm not going to get into. Anyway, uh, there was a stage, and some of my classmates or schoolmates uh, were invited on the stage, and they did their things, all of which I do not remember. But I do remember me being picked to get on the stage and perform my rap song. 
with a microphone in front of one-fifth of the entire school. Now, back then, I had one thing and I did not have another thing. In my first year of middle school, I had balls, but I did not have brains. And that showed itself the moment I took that microphone to my lips and performed the rap song in which a horny bear has sex with a deer. Now, I remember the crowd's reaction. Almost complete silence. There I was, some random asshat, trying to be funny slash cool, and people just didn't know what to make of it. I didn't feel shame back then. But now that I'm thinking back on it, I just... I can't describe the, the amount of shame that I feel. But that specific memory, that specific moment, when I think back on it, I grow more and more unsure of whether it really happened or not. And again, it did happen. I could ask some of my friends from back then about it and they'd confirm it. But even so, I don't fully trust my memories. After all, when you remember something, you don't actually remember the moment, but you remember the last time you remembered that memory and since my socially anxious self has been forcefully uh, been forced to relive that moment time and time again I'm fairly confident that my view of these events have become very unreliable. I've been talking for 15 minutes and I still don't know where this is going, but that's par for the course. After all, this podcast is called The Train of Thought and if there's one thing that one should know about a train of thought is that there are no stations. There is no uh, map of the railways. We just get on and go forth. And we don't know what will happen and until the train stops. I thought that would be a good end for this episode, but... No. No, I'm, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> You know what, I, I haven't made an episode in quite a while. And of course, there was this um, 
there was this one episode that I made about my girlfriend that I released uh, fairly recently. But I don't think that counts because that's it is an episode all of its own. But I only discuss one thing. And I haven't done one of these in a while. Like even the, the episode that I made while I was outside the train station. Like although that was also a train of thought. It was heavily centered around the ongoing COVID-19 crisis. Whereas this, this is just me in my girlfriend's bedroom talking to my phone. Because I don't know what, I'm, what else I'm supposed to do. Be bored? <laughs> Stare at the ceiling? Question my existence? Now that last thing I do many times, all the time, actually. You know, the nature of this world, my place in it, my purpose. You know, I, I see all these people, successful people, doing what they do and being good at it and proclaim pro, god damn it proclaiming to the world there you go that they're happy and content with the position they have found themselves in on the world stage and i think Two things at once. Two things that are probably contradictory. But then again, aren't we all walking contradictions? So these two thoughts are this. One, I look at these people and think, wow, these people have their life in order. And they know what they are doing. And my second thought is, what insecurities are they not showing us? Because even though I put these successful people, whether they be famous people or people that I simply know of, when I see them have their life in order again on one hand I put them on a pedestal but on the other hand I also remind myself that these people as perfect as they may seem they're still just people and I don't believe that there's a single person in the world who does not have any problems. Now, of course, some people, they don't have the kind of problems that have shaped them for the worse or anything of that matter. But everyone has been through something. And a lot of those somethings are 
unshown to the public. Am I making sense right now? I'm not sure I am. But I'm just going to keep going because I don't think this train is stopping as of now. As I'm recording myself and staring at the ceiling, I'm reminded of uh, a conversation that I had with Julia. Uh, I don't know whether it was this week or last week. Uh, I think it was last week, but I could be wrong. So, um, because of the lockdown, there isn't much to do outside, which is fine. I understand. And I try to adhere uh, to the quarantine as best as I can. Uh, now, I must be honest. I, um, I have visited, visited and am visiting uh, Julia on a fairly regular basis uh, but I always try to make sure to uh, keep my distance and to sneeze in my elbow as we all should um, so anyway um, Julia and I um, we went out last week, last week to buy some KFC because uh, you may not know this, but I love Kentucky Fried Chicken. I just, I, I love the crispiness. I love the juiciness. I, I, I love chicken. <laughs> so we went out and we got ourselves and my parents KFC because uh, that week uh, Julia was staying over at my place. Um, so on our way to the KFC... Uh, we had to go by train and uh, there was a section of uh, the route which the train took that uh, Julia and I had a discussion over. Uh, Julia was uh, fully convinced that the train uh, was taking a detour or at least uh, an alternate route and I was trying to assure her or convince her that she was wrong and uh, we like something you should know about Julia and me is that when uh, no matter how trivial something is, if Julia and I get in a disagreement about such things, uh, shit gets intense. <laughs> so anyway, um, we promised each other that um, if we were to uh, or no, we promised each other that the moment we took the same train back to my place, we would watch uh, the section of the route the train took and try and see if either uh, Julia was right or I was right. Spoiler alert, I was right. Uh, <laughs> we, went, uh, we, we went past the section of the tracks which uh, 
Julia and I had a dispute about. And the moment we drove past it, Julia realized that she was very wrong and I was very right. And I felt very good about that. Like every every time um, I'm right and she's not, I just I, I just get this this tickling sense in my soul. You feel me? But then Julia said something that caught me a little bit off guard. She said, I'm not, I'm not getting dementia, am I? Now, of course, she said this partly in jest. I mean, young people don't get, or usually don't get dementia. However, um, this, this remark led us to talk about what our lives will be once we're all together and what difficult decisions we should make. And she proposed that if she ever would become an elderly person with dementia that, and I was still uh, clear-headed, so to speak. She told me that she'd be fine with me moving on, um, putting her in a home and just continue to live my life either alone or with someone else. That's what she said. Um, she even said that if she were to be fair, or if we were to be fairly young and she would get dementia, that she'd be okay with herself living in a home and me um, going out and living my life with someone else, even raising a family with someone else. And then if I were to visit her, which I definitely would, and I'd bring those children with me. I just have to tell her that they're cousins or something. And when she told me that, I rejected it. I looked her in the eyes and I said, Julia, the moment you gain an illness of any kind. I will not leave you. I will not abandon you. I will take care of you and stick by your side, no matter what. Now that is not just a statement you should make willy-nilly. And Julia knows this because she immediately start thinking about my well-being. And she said, you do know that taking care of somebody brings sacrifice, like your personal life, your life outside of uh, the relationship you're having, uh, your free time, all of it will be either 
largely or completely sacrificed because now you need to take care of somebody other than yourself. And without really putting pause or putting pause on it, I said, I know. And I still will take care of you if need be. And then Julia said, but what if this would happen if we were young? Like you, you would have so much life left to live and I don't want you to waste it all on me. And by the way, I'm paraphrasing right now, but I'm just, um, I am putting forth the essence of the conversation Julia and I had. So anyway, Julia said that. And then I looked at her and asked her if I were the one to become ill, either physically or mentally at a young age, would you put me in a home, live your life outside of me, raise a family with someone else? Would you do that? She said, no. Then I looked at her and I said, then neither will I. Now I'm not saying that people who make the decision that Julia and I won't make. Uh, I'm not saying that those people are bad. And I'm not saying that Julia and I are better than those people. But I just, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't. You know, In Dutch, we have two ways of saying that you love somebody. Um, verliefd, zijn op, and houden van. Now, verliefd zijn op roughly translates to being in love with somebody and how the fun roughly translates to loving somebody now although um, there isn't officially a difference between the two um, both me and well my dad <laughs> Uh, we do see a, a distinction between the two. If you're in love with somebody, everything is new, everything is great, everything is special, and everything feels as if it will come easy. 
You enjoy everything together. You enjoy every moment together. And all those quirks, all those um, flaws that your partner has, you just go out and say that you love all of it, that you love the person wholly, no exceptions. But as relationships progress with most people, being in love with somebody changes into loving somebody. And that doesn't mean that the love diminishes, although some people claim that that's the case, but I don't think so. I think if you transition from being in love with your partner to simply loving your partner, then in my opinion, that's not love diminished, but love matured. If, if your love for somebody has matured, then probably the flaws and the quirks your partner has aren't felt as things that you could just love about somebody. Now, of course, the human experience has, has the, the human experience has many, 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 many nuances and one random guy like myself cannot encapsulate all of those nuances because my perspective is but one of many. But if you were to ask about my perspective, I would say that the flaws and the quirks of my girlfriend, you know, in the beginning, I just loved her completely, no exceptions. Even the quirks, even her flaws, I saw as beautiful. But as my love for her has matured over these past two years, and I know compared to the people who have, who have been together for decades, two years is nothing. But, you know, for me, this is the longest relationship I've ever had. So for me, it's a lot. But in those two years, I felt that those quirks and flaws of Julia, I don't simply love him anymore. I accept them. In the beginning, I thought that those quirks and flaws uh, wouldn't bother me, that I'd love Julia without exception. And look, I still love Julia from the bottom of my heart. But those quirks and those flaws, I don't romanticize them anymore. I see Julia's quirks and flaws as quirks and flaws, but I accept them this time. I don't brush them under the rug. I don't look at them through rose-tinted glasses. I look at them with clear eyes. And I acknowledge 
that some of Julia's flaws are not okay. Just like how Julia acknowledges that some of my flaws are not okay. And this is why I think that if you go from being in love with to loving somebody, that you've matured as a person. Because even though I don't like some of Julia's quirks and flaws, and even though Julia doesn't like mine, we respect each other and we love each other. And above all else, we help each other. And in the end, that's just one of the many things you need to do if you want to be happy with your partner, right? Support them, help them, accept them, respect them, love them. Funny. As I'm nearing the end of this episode, I, I keep turning back to her. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't like me talking about my girlfriend this, this much, then... First of all, I'm sorry that you feel that way. And uh, second of all, I don't mind if you don't come back. I understand. But you should also understand that even though Julia hasn't been in my life that long, relatively speaking, I mean, of the... 23 years that I have been alive, Julia has only been in my life for two. But because of her, I've changed. For the better. And I know I've said that before in my previous episode, which was fully dedicated to her, but I don't mind repeating myself at times. Especially not if the message is wholesome anyway I think that's enough of me rambling so um, if you're still here thank you very much I feel like I could air out my thoughts and I always appreciate it when you lend an ear so this was Sunny. I hope to see you next time. And please, stay safe out there. Oh, hi there, dear listeners. It's me again. But now I'm coming from either the past or the future, depending on when you're listening to this. 
to tell you about my Patreon page. Yes, I have joined the long, long list of creators who turn to their audience for monetary support. Now, 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 before you go grab your pitchforks and call me a sellout, just, just hear me out. I'm not going to demand you to pay a monthly fee just to hear a random man air out his unedited thoughts to the world. I'm not going to expect you to pay for content that arrives not on a schedule, but whenever I feel like it. That'd be unfair to ask of you. This podcast is, and always will be, freely available to those who want to tune in. But, if you want to support me by paying a monthly fee, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash the train of thought. If you become a patron, you only pay me one euro a month. Nothing more, nothing less. I'll be sure to thank you during future episodes. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the train of thought. Or if you found my podcast through my anchor page, which is anchor.fm forward slash sunny dash Benjamin, then you can click on the big button that says website and it'll take you right to my Patreon. I'd be forever grateful if you support me with a buck a month, but don't forget, if you won't or can't spend that money, that's okay. You're awesome either way, and I hope my little podcast brings you enjoyment. With all that being said, hear me later, dear listeners. Goodbye.